Letter eighty nine of Pamela, volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pamela, volume two by Samuel Richardson. Letter eighty nine. My dearest lady, I am once more, blessed be God for all his mercies to me, enabled on my upsitting to thank you and my noble Lord for all your kind solicitudes for my welfare. Billy every day improves, Miss is all I wish her to be, and my second dear boy continues to be as lovely and as fine a baby as your ladyship was pleased to think him, and their papa the best of husbands i am glad to hear lady betty is likely to be so happy mr b says her noble admirer is as worthy a gentleman as any in the peerage and i beg of you to congratulate the dear lady and her noble parents in my name if i should be at a distance when the nuptials are celebrated i have had the honour of a visit from my lady the countess dowager on occasion of her leaving the kingdom for a year or two for which space she designs to reside in italy principally at naples or florence a design she took up some time ago but which it seems she could not conveniently put into execution till now mr b was abroad when her ladyship came and i expected him not till the next day she sent her gentleman the preceding evening to let me know that business had brought her as far as woburn and if it would not be unacceptable she would pay her respects to me at breakfast the next morning being speedily to leave england i returned that i should be very proud of that honour and about ten her ladyship came she was exceedingly fond of my two boys the little man and the pretty baby as she called them and i had very different emotions from the expression of her love to billy and her visit to me from what i had once before she was sorry she said mr b was abroad though her business was principally with me for mrs b said she i come to tell you all that passed between mr b and myself that you may not think worse of either of us than we deserve and i could not leave england till i had waited on you for this purpose and yet perhaps from the distance of time you will think it needless now and indeed i should have waited on you before to have cleared up my character with you had i thought i should have been so long kept on this side of the water i said i was very sorry i had ever been uneasy when i had two persons of so much honour nay said she interrupting me you have no need to apologise things looked bad enough as they were presented to you to justify greater uneasiness than you expressed she asked me who that pretty genteel miss was i said a relation of lord davers who was entrusted lately to my care then miss said her ladyship and kissed her you are very happy believing the countess was desirous of being alone with me i said my dear miss goodwin won't you go to your little nursery my love for so she calls my last blessing you'd be sorry the baby should cry for you for she was so taken with the charming lady that she was loath to leave us but on my saying this withdrew 
when we were alone the countess began her story with a sweet confusion which added to her loveliness she said she would be brief because she should exact all my attention and not suffer me to interrupt her till she had done she began with acknowledging that she thought when she first saw mr b at the masquerade that he was the finest gentleman she had ever seen that the allowed freedoms of the place had made her take liberties in following him and engaging him wherever he went she blamed him very freely for passing for a single man for that she said since she had so splendid a fortune of her own was all she was solicitous about having never as she confessed seen a man she could like so well her former marriage having been in some sort forced upon her at an age when she knew not how to distinguish and that she was very loath to believe him married even when she had no reason to doubt it yet this i must say said she i never heard a man when he owned he was married express himself with more affectionate regard and fondness than he did of you which made me long to see you for i had a great opinion of those personal advantages which every one flattered me with and was very unwilling to yield the palm of beauty to you i believe you will censure me mrs b for permitting his visits after i knew he was married to be sure that was a thoughtless and a faulty part of my conduct but the world's saucy censures and my friend's indiscreet interposals incensed me and knowing the uprightness of my own heart i was resolved to disgrace both when i found they could not think worse of me than they did i am naturally of a high spirit impatient of contradiction always gave myself freedoms for which satisfied with my own innocence i thought myself above being accountable to anybody and then mr b has such noble sentiments a courage and fearlessness which i saw on more occasions than one that all ladies who know the weakness of their own sex and how much they want the protection of the brave are taken with then his personal address was so peculiarly distinguishing that having an opinion of his honour i was embarrassed greatly how to deny myself his conversation although you'll pardon me mrs b i began to be afraid that my reputation might suffer in the world's opinion for the indulgence then when i had resolved as i did several times to see him no more some unforeseen accident threw him in my way again at one entertainment or other for i love balls and concerts and public diversions perhaps better than i ought and then i had all my resolves to begin again yet this i can truly say whatever his views were i never heard from him the least indecent expression nor saw in his behaviour to me much to apprehend saving i began to fear that by his insinuating address and noble manner i should be too much in his power and too little in my own if i went on so little doubting and so little alarmed if ever he should avow dishonourable designs i had often lamented that our sex were prohibited by the designs of the other upon their honour and by the world's censures from conversing with the same ease and freedom with gentlemen as with one another and when once i asked myself to what this conversation might tend at last and where the pleasure each seemed to take in the others might possibly end i resolved to break it off and told him my resolution next time i saw him
but he stopped my mouth with a romantic notion as i since think it though a sorry plea will have weight in favour of a proposal to which one has no aversion of platonic love and we had an intercourse by letters to the number of six or eight i believe on that and other subjects yet all this time i was the less apprehensive because he always spoke so tenderly and even with delight whenever he mentioned his lady and i could not find that you were at all alarmed at our acquaintance for i never scrupled to send my letters by my own livery to your house sealed with my own seal at last indeed he began to tell me that from the sweetest and evenest temper in the world you seemed to be leaning towards melancholy were always in tears or showed you had been weeping when he came home and that you did not make his return to you so agreeable as he used to find it i asked if it were not owing to some alteration in his own temper if you might not be uneasy at our acquaintance and at his frequent absence from you and the like he answered no that you were above disguises were of a noble and frank nature and would have hinted it to him if you had this however when i began to think seriously of the matter gave me but little satisfaction and i was more and more convinced that my honour required it of me to break off this intimacy and although i permitted mr b to go with me to tunbridge when i went to take a house there yet i was uneasy as he saw and indeed so was he though he tarried a day or two longer than he designed on account of a little excursion my sister and her lord and he and i made into sussex to see an estate i thought of purchasing for he was so good as to look into my affairs and has put them upon an admirable establishment his uneasiness i found was upon your account and he sent you a letter to excuse himself for not waiting on you on saturday and to say he would dine with you on monday and i remember when i said mr b you seem to be chagrined at something you are more thoughtful than usual his answer was madame you are right mrs b and i have had a little misunderstanding she is so solemn and so melancholy of late i fear it will be no difficult matter to put her out of her right mind and i love her so well that then i should hardly keep my own is there no reason think you said i to imagine that your acquaintance with me gives her uneasiness you know mr b how that villain t a man said she whose insolent address i rejected with the contempt it deserved has slandered us how know you but he has found a way to your wife's ear as he has done to my uncle's and to all my friends and if so it is best for us both to discontinue a friendship that may be attended with disagreeable consequences he said he should find it out on his return and will you said i ingenuously acquaint me with the issue of your inquiries for added i i never beheld a countenance in so young a lady that seemed to mean more than mrs b s when i saw her in town and notwithstanding her prudence i could see a reserve and thoughtfulness in it that if it was not natural to it must indicate too much he wrote to me in a very moving letter the issue of your conference and referred to some papers of yours that he would show me as soon as he could procure them they being of your own hands and let me know that t was the accuser as i had suspected 
in brief madam when you went down into kent he read to me some part of your account to lady davers of your informant and information your apprehensions your prudence your affection for him the reason of your melancholy and to all appearance reason enough you had especially from the letter of thomasine fuller which was one of t's vile forgeries for though we had often for argument's sake talked of polygamy he arguing for it i against it yet had not mr b dared nor was he inclined i verily believe to propose any such thing to me no madam i was not so much abandoned to a sense of honour as to give reason for any one but my impertinent and foolish uncle to impute such a folly to me and he had so behaved to me that i cared not what he thought then what he read to me here and there as he pleased gave me reason to admire you for your generous opinion of one you had so much seeming cause to be afraid of he told me his apprehensions from your uncommon manner that your mind was in some degree affected and your strange proposal of parting with a husband every one knows you so dearly love and we agreed to forbear seeing each other and all manner of correspondence except by letter for one month till some of my affairs were settled which had been in great disorder and were in his kind management then and i had not one relation whom i cared to trouble with them because of their treatment of me on mr b s account and this i told him should not be neither but through your hands and with your consent and thus madam said her ladyship have i told you the naked truth of the whole affair i have seen mr b very seldom since and when i have it has been either at a horse-race in the open field or at some public diversion by accident where only distant civilities have passed between us i respect him greatly you must allow me to say that except in the article of permitting me to believe for some time that he was a single gentleman a fault he cannot be excused for and which made me heartily quarrel with him when i first knew it he has behaved to me with so much generosity and honour that i could have wished i had been of his sex since he had a lady so much more deserving than myself and then had he had the same esteem for me there never would have been a more perfect friendship i am now going continued she to embark for france and shall pass a year or two in italy and then i shall i hope return as solid as grave as circumspect though not so wise as mrs b thus the countess concluded her narrative i said i was greatly obliged to her for the honour of this visit and the kind and considerate occasion of it but that mr b had made me entirely happy in every particular and had done her ladyship the justice she so well deserved having taken upon himself the blame of passing as a single man at his first acquaintance with her i added that i could hope her ladyship might be prevented by some happy man from leaving a kingdom to which she was so great an ornament as well by her birth her quality and fortune as by her perfections of person and mind she said she had not been the happiest of her sex in her former marriage although nobody her youth considered thought her a bad wife and her lord's goodness to her at his death had demonstrated 
his own favourable opinion of her by deeds as he had done by words upon all occasions but that she was yet young a little too gay and unsettled and had her head turned towards france and italy having passed some time in those countries which she thought of with pleasure though then only twelve or thirteen that for this reason and having been on a late occasion still more unsettled looking down with blushes which often overspread her face as she talked she had refused some offers not despicable that indeed lord c threatened to follow her to italy in hopes of meeting better success there than he had met with here but if he did though she would make no resolutions she might be too much offended with him to give him reason to boast of his journey and this the rather as she believed he had once entertained no very honourable notions of her friendship for mr b she wished to see mr b and to take leave of him but not out of my company she was pleased to say your ladyship's consideration for me replied i lays me under high obligation but indeed madam there is no occasion for it from any diffidences i have in yours or mr b s honour and if you will give me the pleasure of knowing when it will be most acceptable i will beg of mr b to oblige me with his company to return this favour the first visit i make abroad you are very kind mrs b said she but i think to go to tunbridge for a fortnight when i have disposed of everything for my embarkation and so set out from thence and if you should then be both in kent i should be glad to take you at your word to be sure i said mr b at least would attend her ladyship there if anything should happen to deprive me of that honour you are very obliging said she i take great concern to myself for having caused you a moment's uneasiness formerly but i must now try to be circumspect in order to retrieve my character which has been so basely traduced by that presumptuous fellow turner who hoped i suppose by that means to bring me down to his level her ladyship would not be prevailed upon to stay dinner and saying she would be at woburn all the next day took a very tender leave of me wishing me all manner of happiness as i did her mr b came home in the evening and next morning rode to woburn to pay his respects to the countess and came back in the evening thus happily and to the satisfaction of all three as i hope ended this perplexing affair mr b asks me how i relish mr locke's treatise on education which he put into my hands some time since as i told your ladyship i answered very well and i thought it an excellent piece in the main i'll tell you said he what you shall do you have not showed me anything you have written for a good while i could wish you to fill up your leisure time with your observations on that treatise that i may know what you can object to it for you say in the main which shows that you do not entirely approve of every part of it but will not that be presumptuous sir i admire mr locke replied he and i admire my pamela i have no doubt of his excellencies but i want to know the sentiments of a young mother as well as of a learned gentleman upon the subject of education because i have heard several ladies censure some part of his regimen when i am convinced that the fault lies in their own over-great fondness for their children 
as to myself sir who in the early part of my life have not been brought up too tenderly you will hardly meet with any objection to the part which i imagine you have heard most objected to by ladies who have been more indulgently treated in their first stage but there are a few other things that want clearing up to my understanding but which however may be the fault of that then my dear said he suppose me at a distance from you cannot you give me your remarks in the same manner as if you were writing to lady davers or to miss darnford that was yes sir depending on your kind favour to me i believe i could do then and the less restraint you write with the more i shall be pleased with it but i confine you not to time or place we will make our excursions as i once proposed and do you write to me now and then upon the subject for the places and remarkables you will see will be new only to yourself nor will either of those ladies expect from you an itinerary or a particular description of countries which are better described by authors who have made it their business to treat upon those subjects by this means you will be usefully employed in your own way which may turn to good account to us both and to the dear children which it may please god to bestow upon us you don't expect sir anything regular or digested from me i don't my dear let your fancy and your judgment be both employed and i require no method for i know in your easy natural way that would be a confinement which would cramp your genius and give what you write a stiff formal air that i might expect in a pedagogue but not in my pamela well but sir although i may write nothing to the purpose yet if lady davers desires it you will allow me to transmit what i shall write to her when you have perused it yourself for your good sister is so indulgent to my scribble she will expect to be always hearing from me and this way i shall oblige her ladyship while i obey her brother with all my heart he was pleased to say so my lady i shall now and then pay my respects to you in the writing way though i must address myself it seems to my dearest mr b and i hope to be received on these my own terms since they are your brothers also and at the same time such as will convince you how much i wish to approve myself to the best of my poor ability your ladyship's most obliged sister and humble servant p b end of letter eighty nine